actions antidotes, your antidote to the mindset that keeps you settling for less. It's been a while since I've shared a story about a significant career transition, and some of these significant career transitions are a little bit a little bit harder to come by because it's so much easier to transition to something with like, quote unquote, transferable skills, or even to just move on to say a competitor or a slightly different job, get a promotion than to take a whole different path. But sometimes that whole different path is what you really want out of life. It's your true passion and it affords the life that you really want. And you know, if you don't want a certain lifestyle and you want a career that's going to give you the lifestyle, we're going to have the adventures you want, the travels you want, the types of things you want to be doing, then you know, that's a great thing to come by. My guest today, Michael Rhino of Michael Rhino Photography, pursued recently his passion of being a photographer as opposed to his prior career. Michael, welcome to the program. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Stephen, for having me. I really enjoy you. I really appreciate the opportunity. No problem. I'm glad to have you because I've done a lot of stories about people kind of leaving whatever job they've had to pursue what you know they really wanted. It's been a little while since I've shared one of those. I've kind of covering some other topics. So um, yeah, Michael, tell me your story about where you were for, I want to say most of your life, but for a significant amount of time. Sure, sure. I think most of my life, that probably is a pretty accurate statement. So out of college, I went right into uh, uh, banking. I majored in finance. So I was in the uh, banking and finance world from 1983 all the way till August of 2021. While an enjoyable career, it, it sort of got to the point where I was, um, you know, to be honest, maybe a little bit burned out and so forth and that with that corporate grind. And what had occurred there was over the course of the last, I guess, five, six years of, you know, while I was doing that uh, corporate banking, I had picked up a camera. I think I learned how to use it uh, properly and, um, you know, really became passionate about photography. So uh, like I mentioned in, in August of 2021, it felt like the right time to, um, you know, let go of that corporate uh, environment, that corporate job, that banking, you know, move on and, and pursue uh, this new career in uh, in photography. So would it be accurate to say that at least for well over a decade, potentially, that that job in finance did serve you well? You know, throughout that time, I had, like I say, great uh, relationships, great uh, people that I worked with. You know, having said that, you know, there were a couple different, you know, a few different banks that I had been involved with. The last, say, 14 years of that career was in the um, uh, corporate, the large corporate food and agribusiness lending, uh, large food processing companies. And, you know, I, I still look back and enjoy having had that experience and uh, learned quite a bit from it. It was time to start learning a few other things in that on a, like I say, photography being something completely different. Yeah. So what made you first start feeling like, was it when you picked up a camera and you were like, okay, this is something I really want to be doing? Or was there an inclination like, okay, I've been doing this for a while, but maybe I want to try something different before that? That's a great question. When it comes to photography, it's something that, you know, as a child, I enjoyed, but had just inexpensive film cameras or whatever in that uh, back in the day. You know, graduated from that to, you know, adult life uh, using point and shoot cameras, but nothing really fancy. And it was in 2016, I guess about seven years ago on that, that I, I'll say, purchased a real camera. The reason I got that actually was because I do a lot of uh, outdoor activities, hiking, mm -hmm fly fishing, skiing, and so forth on that. And so while I was out in those environments, the idea was, well, let me get a a real camera and you know learn how to use that and come back and see if I can take better images in that while I'm out in nature. 
than you know what I was getting with um, other cameras that I had before that. Even though the iPhones have come a long way, there's still some things that I could do with that. That was sort of the drive, was just my enjoyment of nature is what got me into it. So you were enjoying nature. And then it sounds like a little bit like you rekindled interest that you had from, from your childhood. And so if any of my listeners out there are kind of in a situation, maybe they have a job that isn't really inspiring them and they're in that stuck, like, okay, maybe I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't, I don't know what. Do you think it's a good idea to to start thinking about, okay, what did I really love doing as a kid? Is that a good place to like kind of start searching for what that next thing is going to be? I never really thought about it, but I think that's a great question because maybe as a child and maybe, you know, as we get through, you know, we go into these um, other jobs that we have, large corporate jobs or, you know, whatever it might be, maybe you sort of lose track of what some of your younger childhood interests were and whether any of the things that you might've been interested back then might actually have opportunities to move forward later in life. In my case, making it into a hobby, becoming a serious hobby, and then becoming a profession. And then given that you kind of got this inspiration around 2016, given that particular timing, I need to ask you, what were your thoughts at the time of that? I want to say fad, that might be a harsh word of when everyone that went skiing was wearing those GoPro cameras for a couple of years, and then you saw them kind of fade away a bit. I will say that I was guilty of that. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, I had that before I had the, I'll say professional camera, saw some of the things that were coming out on the, those original GoPros, right? The GoPro, I think I had the model one, sure enough, strapped that to the top of my ski helmet and got back and realized that all I could see was the tips of my skis. I wasn't even focusing or aiming. Oh no. Direction <laughs> so, um, kind of a long way of saying, Yes, I was guilty of that, the kind of that action camera as, you know, maybe part of that start of taking an interest outdoor, you know, photography thing. Now, I have not upgraded to any of the other models of the GoPro, but um, great question. I'm guilty of having done that myself. Yeah, I think anyone that did a lot of skiing in the mid-2010s remembers when they just all of a sudden all started appearing. I mean, nowadays, and this is possibly partially related to my my new business in initiative but it seems like people are more uh hoping to enjoy the experience and be present in where they are um so has has being outside and active and in nature always been a important thing to you in your life yes you know actually it has been again going back to uh, high school and maybe even a little bit before that when I mentioned earlier the fly fishing and that 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 was something that I had done quite a bit uh, actually li- used to live in California and did some of that in the Sierra Mountains migrated that over to uh, deep sea fishing when I was in college down in Southern California and some of the years after college in that deep sea fishing you know also just spent a lot of time outdoors down in Southern California at the beach I used to be a, a lifeguard at Huntington State Beach so that was my summer job while going to school and playing water polo and swimming in college. Outdoors is some place that I often feel like I belong. Now, I need to ask about this period of time because you were in, I'd say, you know, corporate America for almost two decades. Were you trying to like keep up some of these outdoor experiences? And if so, how did you manage that? Like with whatever restrictions you had on having to be nine to five or whatever it was at the time? 30 something years in that uh, indoors as a desk job, um, you know, had obviously a quite a bit of restrictions and so forth in that in terms of getting out into nature. For all of those years, yes, I still did 
uh, at least since moving here to Colorado about 30 years ago, was always involved with, um, you know, fly fishing. And for a while there, it was golf also in that. And again, just a, n- a mm-hmm. number of those different things to to get me outdoors skiing, as we mentioned. You know, obviously felt a little bit trapped on in the days and sometimes on weekends and that just with the number of hours that had to be allocated to that corporate yeah. job, which was was important to do that also uh, for for all those years. And so around 2016, you're skiing, you're wanting to get your GoPro videos, but then you're wanting to get stuff with, uh, you know, fancier cameras. How did that turn into, I want to make this my new job? It sounds like at first you would just get like kind of more and more into the hobby and then, you know, it kind of flowed in that direction. So when I got the camera, I had no interest necessarily in having that become a, a profession. It was just a release, an outlet, a creative outlet uh, from the from the banking job. Uh, I did almost immediately after purchasing that first, I'll say real camera, joined uh, a local, the Lone Tree Photography Club. So I mm-hmm. joined the club and just sort of walked into a meeting, not knowing anybody, but quickly met people and became involved with that. And so I could go there and now that I have this camera, let me figure out how it works. What, you know, what are some of these buttons? What are some of the dials? How do people, you know, who do this seriously, how do they use these instruments and that? And then over the course of time of learning to use it, working with some other professionals, uh, later joining Professional Photographers of Colorado that had some members in that that were dedicated photographers, as does Lone Tree Photography Club it gave me the idea that, hey, maybe I can transition and kind of make this a a full-time occupation and uh, let go of the banking job. So it's about being around the people mm-hmm. in the community. And when you're around people that show you that you can do it, all of a sudden you had the idea like, I, you know, maybe like, why not me? Right, right, right. It's, it's funny you say that because, you know, when I first started, again, not really knowing much about, uh, you know, the camera and how to use it, and then with both of these clubs, they have, I'll say, photo contests and some of these other, um, you know, things and that to, I'll, I'll say, I don't say prove yourself, but to help imp- improve yourself, to help improve your photography. In doing that, I found that I was getting, you know, fairly good results in that in some of the competitions and some of the reviews and, and critiques and that that I was getting from some of the others to make me say, hey, actually, maybe I do have some skills with this. Let me continue to pursue that further and learn from say the workshops and some of the other things that these clubs provide. And that started giving me a little bit more confidence in, you know, taking that step away from corporate and into uh, the, like I say, my, my pursuit of my interest in photography. And so in 2016, when you were first kind of looking into all this stuff, were you already kind of looking to get out of your job were you already kind of starting to feel like it's time to move on or were you just kind of still like flowing along with it i I was still flowing along with it you know like i say at the time you know to be honest i felt like i would probably continue to do that job as a career uh you know all the way till age 65 that was right at about age 60 that that i stopped when i got the camera i really didn't have any intention of migrating over and um, letting go of the corporate job, just figuring that that was going to be something that um, that I was going to continue to do for a while. So I'm guessing it helps to pursue interests, be open and creative, even when you're not in a situation. And I think of the idea of people who 
get laid off or suddenly get frustrated with their job. And then suddenly you see them on LinkedIn all the time when for a while they were just kind of like, I don't know, it was a steady state, just, you know, expecting to just stay where they were. Um, and you're saying that there's a value in, even when you're not frustrated, even when you're not specifically looking for something different to always be open, to always be looking around, to always be curious and to always be thinking about what it is that you really enjoy doing. Yeah. I, I love how you phrase that, uh, because that, that's exactly what the way I think of it as no matter what type of you know job you have, career you have or whatever and so forth, if it's a nine to five, or in this case, maybe a few more hours than that, just having some type of a, a creative outlet. In my case, it happened to be, you know, photography kind of fit that, that role for me to kind of take on. And, um, while working, that was my way of sort of, you know, creatively using that, I guess, other side of my brain, right. The, the yeah. right side of the brain and that versus the left side that was, like I said, the job that I had was very, you know, financial, very structured and so forth and that. So the creativity that photography gave me was that release. So I would encourage that with others and so forth and that, that, you know, even if you have no intention of pursuing your creative outlets as a um, profession, at least looking for some of those kind of things in my case, photography, but I know other people who are, you know, artists, painters, and so forth and that, that and kind of look at that also as just something to do to get away and to get the mind off of uh, the the heavy things that we have to always think about during our day jobs. And so do people whose full-time day job is creative mm -hmm. then find outside of work activities to engage the left brain? Ah, there you go. Like I say, part of my role here, or, you know, when I got into photography, you know, I joined the one organization and then another organization and became president of the one organization and then president of the second organization. The Professional Photographers of Colorado is the one that I'm currently president of last year and this year. And I guess that's a, a way of saying, yes, the, you know, that does bring me back and kind of gives me some balance and some structure and having to think through different things and so forth. And that as far as you know, scheduling meetings and looking at, you know, I, I still get to go back and look at financial statements and budgets and plans and so forth, the same way I did back in my banking career. So yeah, it, it is good to have some balance. I will say this, I did not just, you know, retire from that job just to purely do only creative things. There still is some structure just in my role with these other organizations and that. When I observe people, so many people, their lives are in some way out of balance and almost everything we do is trying to achieve balance. I've told a lot of people that almost everyone I know when the weekend comes, if they have a sedentary desk job, the first thing you want to do is I want to go hiking. I want to go skiing. I want to go run around, whatever. But people who have more physically demanding jobs are the ones that just want to put the game on because they've got those physically demanding. They've already gotten their kind of body movement out and they just need a little bit of a rest. Right, 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 right. And speaking of rest, don't think that photography means that you're always uh, sleeping in and 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 so forth. For instance, this morning I got up at uh, four fifteen a.m. to go photograph sunrise over at one of the local parks. And before I used to get up at right at about that same time for that banking job. When the alarm goes off at four fifteen, or I just wake up naturally at four fifteen, it's with some a little bit more enthusiasm as to what's in front of me during the day. And 4.15 is far from the earliest you ever wake up. Yeah, yeah. Good point is that uh, this was for, to get to a local park. Right now, we're at the time of the year where sunrise is is pretty early. It's a little bit before 6 a.m. 
you start getting into uh, June and let's say if I want to go photograph up in Rocky Mountain National Park, sunrise, and if it's a lake that is maybe uh, a couple mile hike in, there's times where I'll get up at uh, 1.32 a.m. to go make that adventure. So can't do that too many days in a row, but I will do that on occasion. Now, do you ever do multi-day excursions where you'll photograph Rocky Mountain National Park, or even if you go a little bit further, you go to the sand dunes and maybe go to Taos or something else? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've done some of these things as day trip, very long days. You mentioned Taos. I've, I've been to Taos, but I haven't spent a lot of time there. Usually at least once a year, I would like to do at least one or two different loops. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll say, you know, meaning kind of the, the desert southwest, Arizona, you know, New Mexico down into Arizona. You know, maybe the the white sand dunes down in New Mexico are beautiful. And so I've done that trip before. I tend to do a lot of those ones in the wintertime in that, a little bit less crowded. And even though it might be cold, it's actually you bundle up and uh, it can be quite pleasant. And oftentimes you also get real nice scenery in that with clouds and, and whatnot. The other area I like to, to go to is out towards Utah, anywhere from, you know, the Moab, meaning arches and canyon lands and some of the other parks that are further to the west, uh, Zion and um, some of the ones out that direction and that. So long answer to your question of, yeah, I really love those, um, I'll say, and I still pack a lot into say five or six days, but a five or six day trip, I will I will get out there and get a lot out of that. Now you mentioned crowded places. So I need to ask, how much has people lining up for Instagram selfies impacted your ability to do your job? Depends upon where you go. So yeah, there there are some places that have become popular for, for that very reason, right? People, you know, the Instagram, the social media, they want to get that shot. They want to get their own image yeah. in that shot. And all of a sudden, you know, several people are lined up to sort of crowd the scene that you want to, to, to get that photo of. Kind of going back to what I described of, you know, the time of the year that I go to some of those places or time of day that I go, you know, sunrise. Fortunately, not everybody is up at sunrise to to get to all these locations and that. So when I go to say like Moab, you know, Arches, Canyonlands and some of these other places, I usually go in January or February. And interestingly, Arches, for instance, you know, I've done a delicate arch hike up there in snow, get up there, there was still snow up on the arch and literally had, you know, there were like three or four cars in the parking lot and I get up there and there's six or seven people that are from those three or four cars or whatever in that. There's just a handful of people up there. So a lot of times I tend to do it that way. To answer your question, that that's why I avoid having so many people that are in those scenes that I'm trying to photograph. Speaking of Moab, one of the last times I've eaten at McDonald's, I don't really eat there that often, but mm-hmm. I went to the McDonald's in Moab just so I could bring the golden arches into Arches National Park and took a photograph of me holding up that the cup oh, with yeah. the golden arches. Do you ever take photos that are goofy in nature like that? First of all, that one's really clever. I need to think about that one sometime. I wish I would think of those things. I, I don't do that. I sometimes will take some my dog, we have a German Shepherds, and so he accompanies some me sometimes on some of these trips. While he can't go into some of the trails, certainly like not at the national parks and so forth, there's other areas in that that I can take him to in that. I get some kind of crazy looks on his face. I don't know if that counts yeah. or not, but uh, it's maybe not the creative side of it, but there's some images that I come back with that are, I'll say, unexpected uh, when I go out there. 
Yeah. You never know. And then when you go at these different times of year, does it give you different lighting? Because one of the things I love about some of the seasonality in some of these places in the West is that you can go to the same place four different times during the year and get four completely different scenes because of just what's going on, whether it be snow, whether it be, for instance, right now, we've got a lot of rain recently here in Colorado. So everything's just greener than it usually is Mm -hmm. versus uh, maybe even fall colors and stuff like that. Another great question here. Some of those extended places that that are, um, you know, crowded in the summers, I tend to go in the winter for for that very reason. But let's just, you know, kind of pulling it back to say like Rocky Mountain National Park. Yes, I've done the hikes to some of the popular destinations anywhere from December and January to, um, you know, when lakes are frozen over and you get that kind of frigid, uh, cold winter scene that's back there. And I've been to those same places, uh, say for sunrise in June, where you're starting to get some of that green and you, you pick up that. I'll just bring up kind of like the example of, you know, kind of the a, a real beautiful area of Colorado is down near um, the San Juan Mountains. So uh, Telluride, Uray, and so forth. There's definitely beauty down there in all seasons. I've done that in the wintertime. The summertime, you get the um, the wildflowers. And, and so you get some, you know, beautiful wildflowers in the foreground of your scene, but still the mountains back there. And then in the fall, uh, say late September into early October, you get the aspens that turn yellow and popular time of the year for photographers but uh you can usually you know do a little bit of hiking and find some isolation back in there and come back with some beautiful scenery so again yes i go to even our local areas in that places that are like local parks and uh, just you know places that are literally five miles from my home i can go there at you know different times of day meaning sunrise or sunset different times of the year and come back with things that are entirely different at any given time that I go out there. What did it take for you to be able to make a career out of photography? Because you started getting involved mm-hmm. and then it took a few years. Um, what were the factors? What did you need to do? What what work and sacrifice did you need to put in to get this transition to work? Yep, yep. And that's something that I continue to work on, right? One thing to come back with uh, nice looking images that I look and I like, and hopefully other people like, but then it's another thing to, uh, you know, get some interest in that. So the way I would answer that is, you know, I, like I say, I'm, I'm still learning that part of it, you know, building a portfolio for one, having a, you know, website out there that displays and people can order from. I'm currently, when it comes to the landscape side of it, working with a couple of others and so forth, as far as going out and, and marketing those to, you know, say businesses and offices, I'll say medical buildings and, and that sort of thing where, you know, every time you go to one of those places, you see, you know, work on their walls and so forth and that. So myself and a couple of others are are pursuing that. And then the other side of it, I guess I haven't really brought this up yet in the conversation and that is just over the course of the last year, I've taken a real strong interest in the people photography. So that would mm-hmm. be, I'll say anywhere from, you know, portraits, headshots, family portraits. Uh, high school senior portraits. That's a, a real big market. So over the last year, I've taken a real interest in learning that. It's quite a bit different than the landscape photography. There's different. Uh, the camera is the same. Lenses are the same for the most part. But then you also have different uh, lighting. So I use you know, a lot of times the natural lighting and then also the artificial lighting. Coming back to your question, as far as the business and pursuing it as a career, 
I'm now finding that, you know, kind of broadening the photography, including the landscape and having a certain way of marketing that, but also adding to that a little bit more steady uh, revenue stream that comes from the portrait photography. Now, did you have to bring in people to help you with the marketing or did you get some advice from some of the people that you know in these clubs that you were a part Mm of? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, I guess. Both of those. There's different uh, materials out there that are available, uh, you know, whether it be on um, uh, the internet, uh, YouTube, there's tutorials and so forth in that that are specifically designed for photographers to learn, say, the business side of that. We um, also, uh, with the organizations that I am involved with, you know, just discussion. This is one of the benefits of being, you know, part of these uh, organizations. And that is, you know, just the open dialogue, open conversations that you have with other photographers that are, you know, maybe going through the same challenges, or maybe they're at a different phase in their photography career, you know, willing to share some of, you know, their knowledge as far as how to how to make that work. And then with the clubs, we also uh, have, I'll say, quarterly or monthly meetings and workshops where sometimes those workshops are geared towards uh, learning the business of photography. In fact, with that, I mentioned professional photographers of Colorado. We actually have a, a wedding photographer who also does portraits, who's he and his uh, family are coming out to uh, lead a workshop in a couple of months in that to, to go over, you know, for, for those of us that are learning that side of it, specifically how they go about doing that. Regardless of what field someone's going into, I think that there's a lot of people out there who's, First instinct would probably be to start online, start with some Google searches about how to do this, how to do that. Do you feel like there's a certain advantage you get in having an in real life, like in person or, you know, real time conversation with someone else as opposed to just looking up a bunch of like whatever is going to show up in a Google search or Bing search or whatever you like? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I think there are benefits to, to to the in-person thing and being able to, one, it's it's not one uh, direction, right? It's not just um, coming at you, but you have the interactive ability to uh, ask questions. And I think in doing that, you tend to pay a little bit more attention than you do just, you know, say with the online. But having said that, I've learned quite a bit from the online side of it. And in fact, we have a couple of our photographers from our groups that have online tutorials available for you know certain categories, specifically uh, the portrait side of it, and I've been relying on some of some of that. The answer to that one is all of the resources I find valuable, whether it be books, whether it be online, you know, some of them that are you know specific to the genre that genre that you're trying to learn. I think all of those, in addition to the you know, say like belonging to an organization or whatever, and that where you can also have that interaction, right? The, the the back and forth dialogue to to better understand some of that. So you're saying is that the path if someone out there listening has say already picked something they want to pursue, they just want to figure out how to pursue it, is to kind of do a little bit of both, like find a community, find some people, but also, you know, see what videos, tutorials, and stuff are available online for that type of consumption as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I say, all of the above. I kind of exhaust all um, resources in that when it comes to to the learning side of it. And and there's a lot of a a lot of good learning out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what's more important, because we talk about no matter what the craft is, there's like kind of the technical knowledge. So for you, be like what the latest cameras are, what the right settings are, 
you know, where you want the sun for a lot of those outside pictures, you know, in front of you, behind you, all that stuff sure. versus like the business knowledge of understanding accounting, marketing, how to maximize your tax structure, all that type of stuff. Yeah. 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 There's a lot there to try and balance, right? There's, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of my day is still spent behind a computer, believe it or not. It's just not just all going out there with the camera. But I do try to balance the how much time gets allocated to um, the educational side of it. I think that continues to be a real big, big part of it. But I also have to pull myself away every once in a while, like I did this morning and just say, okay, let me, it, it, this is a day that it makes sense to get up at 4.15 in the morning and um, actually get the the gear out there and and photograph with it. And, and then the other part of it too is, you know, as far as that that marketing side of it, and that is, you know, getting, you know, the word out that I'm doing, you know, some of the the people photography in that. Um, I actually have a, a wedding coming up this weekend. I don't market myself as a wedding photographer, but am capable and have done a few of those in the past. But part of it is, you know, dividing that time up. And, you know, to be honest, can be the challenge is to not putting too much time into, you know, one side of it and ignoring the other important parts of it. And then how often do you change up your plans because of the weather? If you mm -hmm. suddenly get a nice day, you're like, oh, I have to take advantage of this day. Or if, mm -hmm. I don't know, you wake up and it's raining and you just have to like yep. find something else. Yeah. Landscape photographers pay very close attention to the weather. And we've all got uh, three or four different apps that we pay attention to. And we'll watch it, you know, a week in advance. And then we'll continue to watch it up to an hour beforehand. And, and to be honest, on the landscape photography side of it, the weather, we almost would prefer to see it be cloudy, not necessarily rainy, like where there's no light coming in, but some of the best opportunities are actually whenever there is some weather out there and you go out and that storm comes through, you try and seek shelter and keep your gear dry or whatever and so forth during that part of it. But then once that clears, that can sometimes be the best light that you get. And you've got, you've got clouds in the sky and you have a little bit of, you know, maybe you even get lucky with a rainbow or something like that. Those, those can actually be the best conditions. You know, to be honest, a lot of times if I've made plans to go out, let's say to, let's just say Rocky Mountain National Park or something like that on a, call it a Tuesday morning. I used to always have to say Saturday or Sunday. Now I can say Tuesday, but uh, let's say I'm going to go out there, you know, whatever day it is. And I've made plans and I look at it the night before. And if I see that it's just bright sunshine, meaning there are no clouds, there is no threat of a little bit of rain or weather coming through, then I may choose to sleep in that morning and that because not that that's not beautiful, but it, you, you sort of want a little bit more dynamic scenery out there and that. And oftentimes weather brings that for us. And so with the people photography, there's less adjusting for weather and more adjusting for like, and I'm thinking of your high school senior thing, like yep. I'm having a bad hair day or I got a zit or something. All those things, all those things are there, right? That is one that you do have to pay attention to. You know, there's one thing about doing it in studio, right? And uh, indoor photography, we don't have to worry about those elements. However, the outdoor, which a lot of times the high school seniors and families, they want their portraits out in a, in a nice outdoor scene. And yes, I have had that situation before where uh, the day that we happen to have a, a family portrait session, you know, late afternoon, evening and that, and it was a day that 
it was in the spring and you know how the weather can be here in Colorado in the spring. It was one of those days where it mm -hmm. didn't snow or rain, but the wind was blowing about 40 to 50 miles an hour. And it was next to impossible to get um, people's hair to cooperate. So oh, yeah. we went ahead and did it, but rescheduled the follow-up session and uh, the follow-up session went much, much better. We got some good shots out of that first one. You deal with it and you try and have them face into the wind rather than have hair below across the face. You find ways to do it. And sometimes you just don't have many alternatives. Maybe you try and find a location, you switch locations or whatever to where you get a little bit of, you know, maybe a, a break from the wind behind some kind of a structure or something like that. But yeah, those situations do exist. And then to your point also about, you know, rain. Yes. If you have an outdoor family photo session, uh, high school senior session, and it happens to be a day that the forecast is for heavy rain throughout the period of time that you're looking at doing it, it just makes sense to reschedule that one. And so given all this adjusting, given all these different things you're doing with the landscape, with the people photography, your balance, um, do you feel like with all the work you've put into making this transition that at this point you've achieved kind of like the balance that you want, the life that you want? Yeah, it's, 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 it's coming along there. There's always going to be more for me to learn. There's always going to be more opportunities to, um, you know, like I said, you know, more of these opportunities to go out and do the, um, the, 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 the portraits, the family portraits and so forth. The balance is coming along and, you know, I'm not quite there yet in terms of, um, you know, the volume of those, but again, I just kind of started that like a year ago and it takes time to kind of get the word out and get, get my name out there and that, but I sure enjoy, enjoy doing it. And it's, it's progressing in the right direction. Everyone looks at their life at any particular point in time. And there's like, well, I got a little bit too much of this. I got a little bit, not enough of this. I wish I had more time for this. I wish I didn't have to do as much of that. And so that's kind of something maybe that we're always tweaking with uh, a little bit, I guess, even once you've like kind of quote unquote made it. Fortunately, my wife does help me also in that with some of the photography at least. She isn't necessarily going to um, get up at 4.15 this morning like I did to go out and photograph landscapes, but she's very helpful with uh, the lighting and reflectors. And um, she has a wardrobe consulting background herself which is really helpful with the uh, portrait side of the business and that. Oh, so, for sure. Um, what's nice about that is, you know, when I feel like sometimes I'm, you know, away or gone from the house or whatever and so forth, at least with the portrait photography, then, you know, my wife is, is, is part of that, uh, we'll say part of that business too. And what would you say is the goofiest request you've ever gotten? Oh, I have to think about that one. Oh, oh no, here, I've got one. Uh, this was pretty good. We were down at uh, Colorado Springs, the uh, Garden of the Gods. Yeah. And the female that I was photographing, high school senior, all of a sudden caught out of the side of her eye a really beautiful Harley Davidson motorcycle that was parked over in the parking lot. So all of a sudden she was thinking, I wonder if I could get my photo in front of that motorcycle. You know, we figured out which, you know, there were several motorcycles that were yeah. there, but one of them really stood out. And so we figured out who the owner was and asked permission. And so she was able to go up. She didn't actually sit on it, but was able to stand beside it. And that kind of became one of her favorite images of that 
senior session and that down at, like I say, Garden of the Gods. So we had this beautiful background behind yeah. it and this gorgeous motorcycle and, um, you know, beautiful model, the the senior who was uh, photographing it. So sometimes it all comes together. That would, I would say that's probably the, I'll say if, if we want to call that goofy, but the kind of the more unique situation that was unanticipated that pops up uh, during the session. And you were able to kind of respond, be like, who owns this Harley? Yeah. How do we get, yeah. how do we get permission? Yep. And speaking of places like Garden of the Gods, if you're at a popular tourist destination, mm-hmm. do you ever have the situation that a lot of people have where someone will just say, hand you their phone camera and say, hey, can you take a picture of us? And in that case, uh, what do you do as a professional photographer? Like, do you do you take sure. the the cell phone photograph that they want? Or do you say to them like, hey, you know, I can take you something better. I've had that situation come up. And it's funny because I've, I've been there at, uh, say, Rocky Mountain National Park, Garden of God, some of these other locations where I think if they see you carrying that type of gear, they figure you know how to compose an image and how to put them in the right place and get the right background, right? That a lot of times in even the portrait photography, if you're outdoors, uh, landscapes and so forth, there's a, a, I'll say a science or an art, maybe both, making sure that the background isn't too cluttered or that you don't have... Uh, tree sticking out of their head or something like that so <laughs> when, when they see when when they see that um that i'm carrying the gear i think they assume that i can probably handle a cell phone also in that which i can so um, yeah the answer to your question that is yeah no i i will go ahead and take their cell phone and get whatever photo that they're looking for and we'll try to make it look as good as i can and if they inquire about how about uh, take a couple photos with your camera and um let's let's make some arrangements with that i'll do that as well and uh just for anyone out there listening if they're hearing this conversation uh what would be the best way to find out about your business or if anyone's interested in having you take some photos for yeah. them or or any of the uh, other things yeah yeah no thank you appreciate it instagram is a good place for the at symbol m-n-r-y-n-o is my um tagline there for my mostly it's my landscape sit there i also have one under rhino portraits it's r-y-n-o mm-hmm. portraits and same thing with my um websites i've got two websites one that's you know dedicated more to my outdoor landscape nature wildlife and that and that is um uh photography.com and then i do have a website that is also dedicated now to my portraits and, and so forth and that and that is actually just www.rhinoportraits.com so those are the two different websites also i'm out there on facebook uh just michael rhino and then a separate one under michael rhino photography that's it i also am out there if you i guess search under linkedin and some of those other networks and so forth and that you can find me there as well and then to wrap up for my audience out there uh, what do you think are like maybe the top two or three factors in what determines someone who takes up one of their passion projects, whether they're called a hobby, whether they call anything else, and really makes it versus the people out there who who just don't? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, one is you, you already hit on the. I think the the key you know word is like you're passionate about it and that you have become accomplished at it to the level that uh, you believe other people will appreciate your work. And if you're at that point, then it's a matter of, again, doing some of the, you know, the research and so forth, as far as, you know, the business, what does it take to get into it? 
you know, is, are there any kind of certifications that you need? I've gone through some of the certifications with professional photographers of Colorado, one of them called Certified Professional Photographer that, uh, you know, requires a little bit of studying and exam and a second part of that exam. But, you know, look into seeing what what type of credentials and so forth and that that might help elevate your, to let others know that you, you've actually done the work and you've put in the effort and so forth and that to, you know, be relied upon for handling their photography. And that makes sense. So those credentials are a way of kind of showing your competence the same way you talk mm-hmm. about your portfolio, which is right. What, right. what you did. And other professions have like a similar version of that portfolio or that, you know, like if whether it be my list, I think this is the 94th uh, episode of this podcast. Great. So hey, congratulations. Like yeah. Portfolio of interviewing or yeah. anyone else. So um, that makes sense. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today on Actions Antidotes. Um, telling us your story about how you were able to move on from, um, you know, a corporate job that served you well for a while, but you were kind of ready to do something else, something different and get to that point through interacting with the right people, being curious, learning everything you needed to learn. And it seems like a lot of it also was just going out and doing it. It really comes down to that too. The, 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 The passion has to be there, but also going out and doing it you know, in my case, you know, that leap into uh, something that spend some time making sure that you feel confident that you can go make that leap, be ready to to let go of, um, you know, what you have been doing for all of those years and enjoy what's in front of you. Sounds great. And I'd also like to thank all the listeners out there for tuning into Actions Antidotes, uh, whether this is your first or your 94th episode. And I'd like to encourage you to step on in again, uh, check out all these other episodes where I interview people who have pursued some interesting pursuits, pursued their projects and achieve some version of the life that they really want to achieve. 